I literally wrote a book about fiber and the complexity of fiber. It is very complicated. I mean, truly, biochemically speaking, fiber is complicated. But actually, the approach to getting fiber is incredibly simple. Eat more plants. Plants have fiber. All plants have fiber. Every single type of plant has fiber. Every single type of plant has various forms of fiber, not just like one specific type. And when you eat a wide variety of plants, you will get these different forms of fiber that have different functions that will affect your microbiome in different ways. You know, this is, this is the idea behind promoting a diversity of plants in the diet. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Berkeley, California, Tyler, Texas, and Chonburi, Thailand. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 24 of season 6, number 420 overall. You know, 95% of us are not eating enough fiber. 95%, that is just one out of every 20 then, who are getting enough. And that, my friend, is a major problem because that 95% they're not just straining to get enough fiber on their plate, they're probably straining in some other places as well, if you catch my drift. So today, we've got ourselves the Fiber Master. He's here to make things easier in all walks of life. Talking about improving your health, your fiber intake with five easy tips to get more fiber in your diet. Dr. Will Bolsowitz is back with his monthly constitutional. He, of course, is the best-selling author of Fiber Fueled and the Fiber Fueled Cookbook, and he also happens to be a genius gastroenterologist to boot. And the roomies who were able to join us on the exam room live for this week, they came through also with some incredible fiber-filled smoothie ideas as well. So you're going to want to have your notepads and your blenders ready for that. And we're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag as well and answering some of the questions from the roomies who are with us on YouTube and Facebook Live as well. By the way, we do that every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So join us for the exam room live. Set a reminder to do just that. And then a little bit later on in the show, after Dr. B's Q&A, I'm going to tell you about some funky chicken that's going down at Costco. Customers say something just isn't right. So what's up with that chicken? Well, we're going to be finding out in just a little bit. And really quickly, before we get going with the show, I am thrilled to say that we have extended, didn't think we were going to do this, but we have, we have extended the discount prices for the exam room live in LA on March 30th. So you can lock in your savings now through Friday, March 10th. It is indeed your last chance to get VIP seats for just $100. VIP tickets include dinner, a delicious plant-based dinner ahead of time, plus exclusive giveaways, photo ops, meet and greets, and just have some fun. 
Come on out, enjoy the evening with Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. Christy Funk, Tony Okamoto from Plant Based on a Budget. She's going to be there as well as Samantha Harris from Dancing with the Stars and actress and musician Harley Quinn Smith will be in the house that night as well. And hopefully another surprise guest or two. So grab a friend and come on out. VIP tickets also come with a priority seat once the recording begins promptly at 8 o'clock. PCRM.org slash events is the place to go to get your tickets or just click the link right now in the episode notes. But right now, let's get those five fiber tips from Dr. B, the gut health MD, the prince of poop, and the pharaoh of fiber. Thanks for being here, my friend. Hi, Chuck. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, I bring such energy, and you're just like, hi, Chuck. Well, come on. You know, you, you mentioned straining, and then you said, if you catch my drift, and I just I didn't catch the drift. What what are we talking about, Chuck? The man who wrote two books on fiber needs to talk about where you <laughs> strain when you're not getting enough fiber. Would you care to hazard a guess, Doc? <laughs> Eat plants. Take epic dumps. I think that's what you're referring to. Ah, uh, that would be spot on, my friend. And might I put in a request for you to wear that shirt on the show next go round? I think that would be lovely. I'd be happy to. If I had known that you were going to lead with a joke about pooping, I would have already been doing that. I didn't have enough time to run to my room and get it. When have I not ever led with some sort of witty repartee, my friend? That's just what we do here. That's what we do. Our maturity level drops, but our health IQs go up. We are just rare in that we're able to pull that off. All right, but here's the deal, Dr. B. We have a ton of people already in the chat who are fired up about uh, getting some fiber tips, getting some more fiber into their diet. And we will be opening up the doctor's mailbag as well today. So if you exam roomies have a question you would like to ask Dr. Bolsowitz, here's your chance. Put it in the comments or in the chat. And when we open up the doctor's mailbag in a little bit, we're going to get to as many as we possibly can here today. But let's start with these five fantastic tips, easy tips to get more fiber into the diet. When it comes to getting fiber into the diet, does this really have to be this arduous process or can it really be as simple as we think it can? Well, first of all, it is incredibly simple. I mean, fi fiber is, <laughs> I literally wrote a book about fiber and the complexity of fiber. It is very complicated. I mean, truly, biochemically speaking, fiber is complicated. Um, there are many types of fiber. Different types of fiber have different functions. Different types of fiber affect different plant, uh, different microbes. But actually, the approach to getting fiber is incredibly simple. Eat more plants. Plants have fiber. All plants have fiber. Every single type of plant has fiber. Every single type of plant has various forms of fiber, not just like one specific type. And when you eat a wide variety of plants, you will get these different forms of fiber that have different functions that will affect your microbiome in different ways. You know, this is this is the idea behind promoting a diversity of plants in the diet. And I noticed Kelly Vollmer, who's in the chat, by the way, people in the chat, I love the energy today. Thank you. I noticed Kelly Vollmer, she mentions that she had a meal with 19 plant points. That's amazing. 19 plant points basically means that she had 19 unique different plants in one specific meal. And that's how we eat to fuel our body with more fiber and to support a healthy gut microbiome. 19. That is a strong effort right there. 19. I don't, I don't know what my record is, but 19, that's gotta be like right on up there. What, what do you think your record might be? 
Well, I had uh, uh, a head-to-head competition with Marcia, um, formerly of the Plant Chicks. We had a head-to-head competition, and I think... Like I did some absurd and ridiculous things, Chuck. I mean, I literally put like, you know, 15 varieties of nuts into this one meal. And in in doing this, I I believe that I got myself up to 40 something plants in one meal. Um, Just just for the sake of, of, um, of winning and declaring victory on the internet. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, the interesting and and important point for people to know here, and and many of you who are familiar with my work will already know this, but I think it's important for everyone to hear this, which is that in the largest study to date that allows us to make connections between our gut microbiome and our diet and lifestyle choices, they found that the single most powerful predictor of a healthy gut was the diversity of plants in your diet. And it, it, and there was actually a number that they were able to assign to this. And that was 30 different plants. The people that were eating at least 30 different plants, not in one meal, but per week, they had the healthiest guts when you compare them, especially to people who are consuming less than 10 plants per week. So we want to strive towards 30 or more plants per week. If you're not at 30, don't stress progress over perfection, but let's work towards adding more diversity to our plant diversity to our plate. All right, let's talk about some of the real fiber powerhouses that we could add to our now diverse plate. They got to be among these five easy tips that you have here. Number one, I suspect we're going to be leading off with a food here. What do you have for us? Okay, Chuck, before we even jump in, let me just say, I am, I am, I, I will take diversity over any sort of superfood. So I'm not trying to present these as superfoods. But I am trying to sort of tickle your brain and maybe even get your taste buds going a little bit with these specific foods. Number one, collard greens. All right, I live in South Carolina. This is a local staple. And people don't realize collard greens, like it's a leafy green. They are insanely healthy. And they are also jam-packed with fiber. So we are talking, there's something called the Andy score, Chuck. I know that you've heard this. And the Andy score is a measure of nutrient density. And the food that has the highest score are collard greens. Collard greens literally are the most nutrient-dense foods that exist. They also are cruciferous, much like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and things like that, meaning that they are cancer-fighting foods. But check this out, Chuck. 7.6 grams of fiber per cup of collard greens. Get more collard greens in your diet. Collard greens for the win. I love me some collard. I mean, I really, that was one of the vegetables, even in my uh, pre-plant-based life that I used to enjoy, just because it is a Southern staple. Obviously, today, the greens are getting cooked a lot differently than they they used to be, but you can still really do some incredible things. Um, My wife, she finds collard greens to be a little bit bitter. And so one of the things that I'll do for her is when I'm cooking them up really quick to uh, toward the end of the process, I'll just drizzle in a little bit of maple maple syrup to, you know, just give it that pop of sweet. And then she's like, give me all the greens. Give me all the greens. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that I would say is that that bitterness that your wife has um, brought up as as something that she's noticed this is, this is something that we find in cruciferous vegetables. You know, you'll find the same bitterness in broccoli sprouts, for example, except it's even more intense with broccoli sprouts. And that's because what you're finding are the isothiocyanates, which are plant-based chemicals or phytochemicals that we know are fighting cancer in our body. 
And so I say, embrace the bitter. Now that doesn't mean that you don't have to put a little, like that you don't put a little maple syrup to enjoy your food. That's, you can put your maple syrup. But my point is lean into the bitter, enjoy these cruciferous vegetables. They are so good for us and they are packed with fiber. Could you do like a little squeeze of lemon on top of the already bitter greens? Could you do that? I mean, could you personally, I know anybody technically could, but could you, could your palate handle the bitter, bitter combo? Are you, Chuck, are you calling me out publicly? I'm not, I'm just, I'm not calling you out. I'm I am a great lover of food, Charles. I am a great lover of food. I, I, I love food. I love, I love citrusy or acidic type flavors. So like I love vinegar. And yes, I love citrus foods like lemon. And what's interesting actually about that, Chuck, is that uh, the leafy green vegetables, especially the dark leafy green vegetables, can be a source of iron in our diet. And when you add vitamin C, which of course we find in citrus foods, and, and it may surprise people, you find it actually very concentrated in strawberries. When you add vitamin C to iron-containing foods, you enhance the natural absorption of iron. So combining lemon with dark leafy green vegetables is a great way to get iron in your diet if that's what you're looking for. There it is. There it is. All right. And I love the it, hey man, I'm on I'm on board the bitter train. I just like bold flavors in general, right? I don't like anything that's got this mild, delicate flavor to it. It's like if I'm tasting something, I want to taste it no matter what. I just give me the flavor. The bolder, the more robust flavor, the better nine times out of 10. Dare, dare I go so far as to say, bring the pain, like bring the pain. I like it spicy. I like it hot. That's the way that I am. No question about it. No question about it. You and I could definitely do uh, that hot sauce challenge game show that they got out there. You and I would have a grand old time. Matter of fact, matter of fact, that gives me an idea. That uh -oh. gives me an idea. All right. Number two on the list. Let's shift from greens. Let's go to beans. What you got for us? Okay, well, beans are classic high-fiber foods. This is the reason why they make us toot. <laughs> this is, I mean, that's the term that we use in our house, at least with our kids. <laughs> um, so this is the reason they make us toot. And this is also why they're such microbiome-friendly foods. And I'm a huge fan of chickpeas. Like, I think chickpeas are just such great, flavorful legumes. Um, you can add them to almost anything. You can turn them into a snack. You can make You can make hummus. A cup of chickpeas, Chuck, has more than 16 grams of fiber. Now, that is as much or more as most Americans are getting in an entire day. One cup of chickpeas, you could double your fiber intake if you were to add that to your daily routine. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I love me some chickpeas. I mean, hummus. You got to have a solid chickpea to get some good hummus going. And that's that's where my primary chickpea consumption goes through. But um, I mean, I will I will pour through some hummus almost every single day. I'm also a big fan of pilaf and you can do a nice rice and chickpea pilaf there, man, and get you a little like one two fiber combo there and really boost it up. I'm curious, though, you mentioned like 16 grams per cup for chickpeas. Um, I've heard varying amounts that we should be getting every day somewhere between 35 and as much as 55 grams per day what's your personal recommendation well it's it's the recommendation of the institute of medicine so it's not necessarily what i uh, what i personally believe in but the for the vast majority of um people we, now we, we stratify or we separate it by gender and we do separate it by age 
So, but the majority of men, it's going to be 38 grams per day. The majority of women, it's going to be 25 grams of fiber per day. Now, I will say that um, those numbers, like I, I personally don't count grams of fiber. I've never counted grams of fiber in my entire life. I have no clue how many grams of fiber I got. And that's because my focus is on plants. I eat as many plants as possible. I eat as much variety of plants as possible. And when you focus on getting more plants onto your plate or into your stomach, you will achieve your fiber goals because all plants contain fiber. Yeah, it seems like you're you're kind of settling into the same um, philosophy that a lot of people share in terms of protein on a plant-based diet. You get enough calories, 99.9% .9 of the time, you're going to be getting enough protein as well. Seems like you're pretty much saying the same thing here when it comes to fiber as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the whole protein thing, um, the hype is excessive. And <laughs> it, I mean, it really is. And um, if you like people who say you can't get the amino acids that you need from a plant-based diet. Okay. How do cows get the amino acids that they need when they literally just eat grass all day? You can get the amino acids that you need. It becomes a lot easier to get the amino acids that you need when you eat a varied diet because every single plant has every single amino acid but in varied proportions. So every plant will have certain strengths and weaknesses in terms of certain amino acids. And when you eat a varied diet, you will get all of those different combinations of amino acids that ultimately lead to you fulfilling your protein needs. And it, Chuck, it's like, where is this protein? We're so worried about protein. Like even to this day, I'm new, there's a new book that came out in the last couple of weeks that is like, we're talking about protein for longevity. Okay, cool. Um, where is the protein deficiency in our society? We are all way over consuming, including people who are vegan. We're all over consuming protein. So I don't share this tremendous concern. I, I personally, I'm in my forties. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm lifting the most weight I've ever lifted. I've added muscle in my forties. And this is without worrying about protein or counting grams of protein or needing to take protein supplements. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Stronger than ever. I love that so much. Healthier than ever, man. Dude, you're an inspiration. In the plant-based world, we don't take our shirts off, so I will I will abstain. But in other worlds, <laughs> where the doctor would take his shirt off. All right. Now, here's uh, number three on your list. I know this one is near and dear to your heart. And frankly, I am not surprised that it landed on here whatsoever. The only surprise is that it took this long to get here. What's number three on your list? <laughs> okay. I'm going with sauerkraut. Shocker. I'm going with sauerkraut. And the reason that I'm going with sauerkraut is this is a friendly reminder that when we hear fermented food, the first thing that comes to mind is probiotics. And this is true. Fermented foods do contain living microbes, and they are, in many cases, such as with sauerkraut, the same living microbes that you might find in a probiotic capsule supplement. But the other thing to keep in mind is this is derived from cabbage. It contains fiber, and this is part of why I personally would always recommend when you go for fermented foods, go from the plant, go for the plant sources of fermented foods as opposed to, for example, kefir or some sort of dairy source because you get the fiber. So one cup of sauerkraut, which to me would actually be two servings of sauerkraut, not just one, you would get 3.9 grams of fiber. So there's fiber, there's prebiotics, and there's probiotics in every single bite of sauerkraut. 
And you know what? I know that you got you some amazing sauerkraut recipes right here. Shameless plug, the fiber-fueled cookbook. Karen Price, by the way, uh, in the chat today said that your sauerkraut recipes are also terrific. And indeed, let me just go ahead and double down on that. You're a sauerkraut genius, my friend. <laughs> that I, I will accept that compliment. Thank you, Chuck. Um, I am I am actually quite proud of the in the Fiber Fields Cookbook that we have a, a chapter entirely on fermented foods and the breakdown of how to actually prepare those fermented foods. Because, you know, to me, the barrier is not just whether or not you enjoy the taste. The barrier is also having a source and the best source is always yourself, making it yourself. All right. Now, a little bit earlier, you were talking about taking the challenge and fitting as many uh, different kind of sources of fiber into one particular meal. One of the easiest ways that a person can do that and really incorporate a wide variety of plants is to grab the old blender and go to town there. Number four on your list is a great way to do just that. What do you have for us? Number four are smoothies. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about smoothies and I'm about to tell you the smoothie that I had for breakfast this morning and that I have most mornings. But as I do that, we have a live and active chat happening right now that I'm watching. And I would love for you guys to drop into the chat, those of you who are watching this live, what your favorite smoothies include. Like what are the ingredients that you're throwing in the blender? Now, let me say as I start to move into this, smoothies changed my life. When I started the transition to a plant-based lifestyle, Chuck, the first thing that I did was stop myself from going to Hardee's for the $5 grab bag. And instead, I, diver I it's, this is completely true. This was in North Carolina. <laughs> I diverted home and I threw a bunch of stuff in a blender and I made it like 36 ounce, 36 ounce smoothie. All right. Smoothies can be a great place to start when you are transitioning to a plant-based diet. You can make them the way that you enjoy tasting them and you can get your plants in there. We have a family smoothie. My wife will make a smoothie every single morning and we will split it up and share it amongst the family so that we are starting our day off right with fiber, with polyphenols, with phytochemicals, with the things that our body and our gut microbes crave. Here's our smoothie. Bananas, uh, greens, usually like spinach, could be collards, broccoli sprouts, ground flax, hemp seeds, some walnuts, and some soy milk, and, and a big old bag of blueberries. I, I knew I was forgetting something. A big old bag of blueberries. Uh, people might say, oh, there's a lot of fat in there. There is some fat in there. Um, I'm not pouring an entire bag of hemp seeds or ground flax in there. It's probably one or two tablespoons of each. Um, so and a little sprinkle of walnuts. So anyway, that's my personal smoothie. I'm seeing a bunch of people here in the chat, Chuck, who have been sharing their smoothie. I see Ms. Moonstone with frozen kale. Uh, let's see, frozen kale, banana, wild blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, chia, hemp, flax, maple syrup. Boom. Sounds Hello. Amazing. I'm I'm looking at Shelly. Shelly's going on uh, the greener end of things with a little bit of a, a I don't know, I, I don't know how else to describe this, but maybe a fresher taste. Shelly has kale, spinach, apple, fresh ginger, and carrot tops. So really a, a quite a nourishing one That's there. That's a really cool idea to use those carrot tops. And I love the ginger because um, it cuts through the flavor. So like it's, I, I think ginger is a really fun ingredient to include. 
Sherry J, kale, collards, dandelion green, strawberries, mango, and flax seeds. I'll give that one a thumbs Perfect. up. How about you? See, and the beautiful thing about this is that everyone's coming forward and there are no wrong answers. Everyone is saying what works for them, what fits their personal flavor profile. What works for me may not be what you want. And that's cool. I embrace that. But the beautiful thing is you can throw a bunch of stuff into a blender. You can have six to 12 or maybe even 15 different plants in there. Buzz it up. And it's a great way to start your day. But hold up, hold up. One, one more. I gotta. I just gotta give BJ a shout out because BJ is talking to me right now. Collards, frozen bananas, a cup of uh, frozen blueberries, hemp seeds, flax seeds, cacao, medjool dates, and some chilled soy milk. BJ for the win. That's all I have to say about that. That's a mic dropper right there. That is a beautiful, beautiful dessert style smoothie right there. Could you get on board that train? I get on board that train. Oh, I would definitely get on board that train. In fact, I'm like looking through this and I almost regret, I, I have to come, come forward and say, I kind of regret uh, this challenge that I put out to the exam room pod, uh, podcast, the uh, fans, because like, I'm getting hungry. Oh, for I'm getting real. hungry. This is not cool. It's not cool. For real. Guys. Yeah. All right. So listen, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast, you didn't get a chance to join us live. Uh, look, I will drop a link in the show description below in the episode notes. So you can go back and watch, just jump to about mm, 20 minutes in or so when we start the smoothie talk and just start scrolling through the comments and get some amazing recipe ideas. Um, real quick though, to YouTube, if you're watching this on YouTube after the fact, boom, like let's, let's continue this conversation in the comment section. Keep them dropped. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Who doesn't love a good smoothie recipe? We do have a couple of people wondering, though, well, you know, I've heard that it's better to actually eat the food as opposed to get it in a smoothie form. There's enough comments where I just thought that maybe you and I should take a second to talk about that as well. What's your take on that? I mean, there is there is no doubt that there is truth to this. But let's be honest, the vast majority of people are not going to wake up in the morning and take the time necessary to eat a salad, right? I mean, you. so I, I would love for you to keep it in a salad bowl and eat it, but the majority of people are not going to do that. And at the end of the day, what I care about is I care about getting plants into your stomach. And if the way for us to accomplish that is through a smoothie, like I would in no way vilify smoothies and make them sound like they are unhealthy or not good for you when you're doing the types of smoothies that people are talking about here in the in the in the comment section where it's like you're basically taking a bunch of vegetables you're adding just enough fruit to offset the vegetable bitterness so that you have that sweetness that makes you happy um, but you're not making a purely fruit smoothie like I, I would not advocate for a purely fruit smoothie i'm advocating for people to use a combination of vegetables fruits um seeds nuts and um and then like if you have the soy milk there's a little bit of legume in there do you count soy milk as a plant point in your no. book? Does that count? Nah. No, I don't. And I, the reason why I don't, Chuck, I still want you to do that. I still want you to do that. I still want you to like add spices, for example, um, to your dish, herbs and spices. But but the issue is that it's it's just if it doesn't contain fiber, then it's simply not fair to be counting that. Or like you know, the person who has a bowl of pasta with some tomato sauce. And they take the Italian seasoning mix and it's got five different spices in it. And you just sprinkle that on there and you go, oh, there's an extra five points. It's like, no, we need to actually add some real plants in there. Uh, and I know that there's probably some people watching right now who are wondering, well, if we put it in a smoothie, are we still getting all the fiber in it? Or is that somehow being stripped away by the blender? 
you're still getting the fiber. The fiber is probably constitutionally different in some ways. Anytime we process our food, anytime, not just smoothies, we are going to be changing and transforming the food on some level. That includes cooking, um, that includes cutting, that includes doing it in a smoothie. So, you know, the point is, is the fiber different than it would be if you were to eat this as a salad? Yes, the fiber is different. Is the fiber uh, wildly inferior and worthless? Absolutely not. The fiber is still very beneficial and recognizing that 95% of Americans are not even getting the minimal recommended amount of daily fiber. Recommend, like recognizing that, how can we deny the importance of potentially adding some fiber in the morning through a smoothie? Number five, here we go. See if you catch this reference. Uh, reminds me of Norm Duke. So that's what I'm going to call this one. Number five, what do you have for us? All right, we're going bowling, Chuck. This is that's me. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Going bowling, going to nail it with a strike, 10 plant points all at once um, by simply making a bowl. And so we've moved away from individual foods, and now we're talking about strategies. And the strategy here is to start with whole grains and legumes. This is your foundation. This is your base. You can choose whatever whole grains and legumes that you personally enjoy. And then you build based upon whatever flavor profile you enjoy, you build above that. So for example, if I were making a burrito bowl, which I personally love, I'm looking for a specific flavor profile and use black beans probably use some brown rice or I might use some farro. And then above that, I'm going to add in the avocado and the jalapenos and the chopped tomatoes and onions and cilantro. And then I'm going to get some salsa in there or some hot sauce. That is my burrito bowl. But like if you were to take this flavor profile to uh, Vietnam or to Thailand or to the Mediterranean or wherever in the world you want to go today, you just make the adaptation. Now, Chuck, a quick shout out. I hope you don't mind. Go for it, man. This book right here. Tony. Plant-Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. This literally came out yesterday, you guys. This is by my friend, Tony Okamoto. And in the book, like I, it wasn't my intent to talk about the bowl for the sake of talking about this book. But literally yesterday, I was talking with Tony and we were flipping through the book. And I was like, this book is so perfect for making bowls because she literally teaches you how to construct what I was just talking about. And she teaches you how to make the sauces that you need in order to accompany the bowl to give it that flavor profile that you're looking for. Like her favorite from this recipe from this for making a bowl was the peanut sauce. And I'm like, yo, peanut sauce, you're talking my language. Yeah. So anyway, if y'all haven't checked this out, it's called Plant-Based on a Budget Quick and Easy. Literally came out yesterday. Grab it at your local bookshop, or you can snag it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Would you believe that Tony was on the show yesterday and the two of us also did an Instagram live together? Um, she is just absolutely extraordinary. She was walking us through, Dr. B, uh, true to name, plant-based on a budget, how you can eat for an entire week a healthy plant-based diet for less than $35. I mean, my mind was blown away and she just was like rattling all of this stuff off of the top of her head. And a lot of us still kind of walk around with this idea that, well, eating healthy means that we really need to back up the truck and pay a lot of money to that grocery store. And she's like, nah, I'll even take you to the dollar store. Let's go grocery shopping right now. I was floored by her tips. 
Well, I think, you know, the thing that I dig about this book, to be honest with you, Chuck, plant-based on a budget, quick and easy. So it's plant-based. It's delicious. You can have your health and vitality by eating this way. It's a diet of abundance. But what she specifically is accomplishing is she's making it quick and easy, which is frankly what we all need as Americans. We're busy. Or, you know, or anyone, frankly, I would guess anyone who's watched this, I know we, I saw someone from Germany is with us today, people from around the world, wherever you're from, more than likely time is something you need more of. So this helps with that. And then like, we're all collectively on a global scale dealing with inflation and economic issues. It's the perfect time for this type of book. And so, and that's the beautiful thing is that like legumes and whole grains they're not actually expensive. You can build these types of bowls starting with that foundation and it's so cheap and it's so healthy and it's built for your microbiome and it's high in fiber. It's a win. Yeah. You know, she was talking about just less than 10 years ago when she had basically nothing and no money. She would go to the grocery store with her measuring cup in hand and get just the amount of rice or beans that she needed um, from the bulk bin. And she would check out using that. And she was just masterful at that. And the way that she's been able to parlay the tips and tricks that she's taught herself into now helping others. Um, just extraordinary. I, I, I mean, thank you for connecting the two of us. I mean, it's just been a whole heap of fun getting to know her. And by the way, did you also know that she's going to be at the big exam room live show that we're doing out in Los Angeles here at the end of the month? Oh, wow. Tell me yeah. more. That's, uh, that's exciting. What's the this deal is with a that? This is a fact. So a matter of fact, we're going to be taking some recipes from the book and we're going to be serving them at the VIP dinner. Uh, if you get VIP tickets, we're doing a plant-based dinner before the show. Um, so we're going to be serving up some recipes from the book then. So uh, if you would love to join us, I would love to have you there. She would love to meet you. Everybody wins here. Uh, March 30th out at the eBell in Los Angeles. You can get your tickets right now at pcrm.org slash events, or just click the link that's in the episode notes right uh, there. And uh, in addition to Tony, um, Dr. Neil Barnard will be joining me that night, as will uh, breast cancer surgeon to the stars, Dr. Christy Funk, amazing person. Uh, Dancing with the Stars host, Samantha Harris, she will be there, as will uh, Harley Quinn Smith, phenomenal actress and musician. They're all going to be with us that night. So March 30th, the E-Bell in LA, VIP tickets get you that dinner beforehand, plus priority seating for the show and exclusive giveaways and meet and greet opportunities. But if you can't make for uh, dinner, no problem. General admission tickets start at just $15 as well. So pcrm.org slash events or click that link in the episode notes. I Man, I really wish you could be there that night too. I really do. <laughs> we would have a blast. Well, clearly we would have a blast. We need to create, we need to invent a teleportation device because that's, it's hard for me to take time away from my family. We have, a, uh, you know, we have three kids and we have a little one who's less than a year old. So yeah. It's hard for me to travel out to the West Coast, but nah. um, maybe next time, Chuck. Your priorities are in the right place, my friend. There is no shame in the family game, none whatsoever. Um, what do you say here? We field a couple of questions um, nope. with the time that we have here. So let's just really quickly, as we're looking uh, for some good questions here, the five tips, uh, collard greens, eat them, love them, the bitter, the better. Chickpeas, boom, fiber bomb, love it. Sauerkraut. How many, how many jars do you have right now fermenting in your house, by the by? I think three. I think three. three. Yeah, All I'd right. have to go downstairs and check, but I'm pretty sure it's three. Are, are we talking like big, like just like gallon-sized jars? Or how it's big is the bowl-sized jars? Quart-sized mason jars, and I pack them in. Um, 
Yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. Smoothies is number four and then five go bowling. And oh, by the way, I can't believe we didn't talk about Verde, which is a, a great salad shop by your uh, house in South Carolina, uh, where they've got the uh, the bold Buddha, which is uh, your own creation. That's a very cool thing. Um, if you're ever in the, the area where there's a Verde, definitely yeah. go check that out. Get the bold yeah, I get Buddha. people who reach out to me all the time and they say, I'm coming to Charleston. Where should I eat? And so I'm happy to answer that question. One of the places is go to Verde. Get the bold Buddha. That's actually my salad. I actually created it a few years ago. And um, and then go to Basic Kitchen. It's a great place for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've taken me to both places, as a matter of fact. Um, I was blown away when we were in Verde. Like we we had a an exam roomie who was in there who was watched a watched you and I together on the show. I was I was like, wow, that really just happened. That is the coolest thing ever. Well, um, they're more interested in talking to you there. They actually pushed me out of the way to try to get oh, to you, John. Oh, you lie, you lie like a rug, but I love you for no, it. That's true. Uh, all right, here. <laughs> all right, here we go. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Uh, let's talk a little bit about coffee. Well, black seed powder. Doctor B, do you have an opinion on black seed powder? I put it in my coffee with all of the spices that you recommend. What is the black seed powder? I'm not. I'm not familiar with what they mean by that specifically. I don't know. Uh, can Can we get some uh, clarity on that one? There. Yeah. Uh, Wondering yeah. what seed? Like, is this a chia seed powder or something? Yeah. Black seed powder. Miss Moonstone, if you could give us a little bit more uh, conversation there, that would be great. Dab's Kitchen, is there any good gut bacteria from cheese? And if not, can you please explain why people are so confused about that? Um, that's an interesting question, Chuck. I, you know, so cheese is fermented. In the United States, uh, typically the, the majority of cheeses, like the soft cheeses that you will find in the packaging at your local store, they are, um, uh, they actually kill the microbes prior to packaging them. So it, any potentially beneficial microbes are no longer there. Uh, so you would need, you would need cheeses that are that where they're not actually killing the microbes for them to have any value. You know, I think that what I come down to, or what I come back to is this, um, like if we're talking about the world of dairy, we're just talking about dairy based foods. There are some versions that are more healthy and there are versions that are less healthy. The same conversation could be had in the world of meat. There, I mean, there's, there's no question that there's a variation between something like, for example, processed meats against like fish, right? Or shellfish. So within the dairy world, we're going to tend to favor the things that are fermented dairy products like kefir or cheeses that um, uh, are hard cheeses still have the microbes. That being said, would I take sauerkraut over cheese? Yes, every single day. There is no fiber in cheese. There's zero. Would I take beans over cheese? Yes, every single day. Are there any like whole food, plant-based products or foods that I would take cheese over? I literally can't think of one, Chuck. Could we process them and create ultra-processed foods that I would take cheese over? Absolutely. So I think that, you know, it's just kind of at the end of the day, I think it's about being honest and fair and inserting it somewhere into the ladder where, or, you know, the ladder of like, what are the healthiest foods? What are the least healthy foods? And we're putting it in this place where it's somewhere in the middle. It's on the better end of the, of the dairy products, but it's clearly below the whole foods. No question. Whole foods. 
No question about it. Uh, here comes the hot pepper. Holly pepper, 1210. I eat 70 to 90 grams of fiber a day. Is that too much? Wow. 70 to 90. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it depends. It, can, can you have too much fiber is, I think, sort of the, you know, the, the, the basis of the question here. And the answer is yes. And it depends on the individual person. So I've, I've made the analogy in the past and I will make it right now again. Our gut is like a muscle and that muscle is capable of a certain amount of work. So if you are, if you have been eating 15 grams of fiber, like the average American and you crank it up to 70 to 90, you will not feel well. I don't want you to do that. I actually don't want you to do that. I want you to go from 15 up to 20. And then go from 20 to 25. Now, Holly, I would expect, has been working on her fiber for a long time. And like a professional bodybuilder, she has built up the capacity to handle a huge amount of fiber. And so, Holly, the answer to you is this. If you feel well, having good regular evacuations, good regular bowel movements, and not having digestive symptoms or complaints, you're in a great spot. Can we handle more than 70 to 90 grams of fiber? Absolutely. The um, the belief is that our ancestors consumed 100 or more grams of fiber per day. This is just a lot more than the average American is consuming. And again, I wouldn't encourage every person to go straight to 70 to 90. Instead, you have to take where you are today and go a little bit more. Slow and low is the tempo, Chuck. Kaboom. Boom. I mean, so if if it's more of a gradual transition, and, and again, I can only think back to my own experience and, and what I've heard from a lot of other people who had similar experiences is when I went plant-based overnight, there was like a pretty interesting two and a half, almost three week period where my stomach was just getting really adjusted to things. Um, a lot of uh, gas and, and bloating and stuff that wasn't always pleasant is it better to just gradually taper off of the standard American diet or should you really just kind of cannonball into the deep end with this thing? Um, I think that's an individual, the different people, honestly, what works for you? Like if, if it works for you, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to be excited and celebrate. Um, but generally speaking, I think that sort of a transitional phase as you move towards this making adjustments one piece at a time instead of necessarily going all at once. I've seen that work really well. At least that's what worked for me, Chuck. And we were talking about smoothies earlier. Smoothies can be a great way for, for people to make this transition. I made this transition myself by starting with smoothies. By the way, Holly mentioned that she's been eating plant-based for 25 years. So yeah. this is exactly the type of information that, like, that makes total sense. You are mm. like an elite fiber bodybuilder. Yeah, I, I was just looking at that comment. Been vegetarian for 25 years, vegan for three, just discovered this podcast, and I love it. So excited for my first live one to be watching. Wow, Holly, that's awesome that you're here live for the first time. I'm glad that we could answer your question. That's super cool. 25 years, congratulations. That's a quarter century of plants, man. That's that's nothing to sh shake a stick at, as my grandma would say. Um, back to BJ. BJ was the smoothie king earlier in the show. BJ at 12.03 says, nuts have fat, but do they also have fiber? Says, my inner squirrel has gotten carried away on walnuts and cashews. Easy to do. They do. They do. They have plenty of fiber. Um, and depending on the type of nut that you're talking about, they have various types of fats. But I would, 
go so far as to argue that the the fats that you find in whole nuts are healthy fats and so it i can't i can't think of a specific nut that i mean i can i can think of palm oil or coconut oil if we want to talk about coconuts as a nut that fat can be problematic because it's saturated fat but aside from that the routine things that we talk about with nuts um those are healthy fats and so for the vast majority of people consumption of nuts is something that is actually beneficial to our health and there are clear studies like for example with cardiovascular risk that show this and and, and the fiber is a part of that story Quick shout out to Caroline, who says, uh, first time online today, been vegan for 33 years. So definitely well ahead of the trend then. 33 years. Way to go, Caroline. Who is that? Caroline Cornish, 1207. Caroline, look at, you can see her picture. She's beautiful and she's clearly not fiber deficient. She's clearly not protein deficient. No. It's amazing. 33 years. Everyone would have thought that she would have been protein deficient, you know, at least 32 years ago. Surprise, surprise. Um, let's see here. Uh, Iona, twelve eleven kombucha tea. Is there any fiber there? That's an interesting one. Is there fiber in liquid drinks? And I'm not talking Metamucil here. We're talking about kombucha tea. No, there's not going to be any kombucha. If you if you think about making kombucha, which I've made kombucha, and it's actually kind of fun. Um, <laughs> basically, what you do is you make traditional Southern sweet tea. That's like literally what you do. You take a cup of sugar. And you make a gallon of tea and then you add your um, kombucha starter to this and the starter has the microbes and the microbes will actually consume the sugar and transform it into um, acids and alcohol and create kombucha. Do I believe that kombucha is the healthiest fermented food out there? Absolutely not. Do I think that we should be drinking kombucha several times a day? Absolutely not. Would I rather you drink water? Yes. But to call kombucha dangerous when like there are literally millions of bottles of kombucha being consumed on a daily basis across the United States, it is not dangerous. It could be dangerous if you make it at home and something goes awry. So if you're concerned about that, then and you want to try kombucha, buy it at the store. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, for, forgive my kombucha ignorance here. How would the sugar that you're talking about in brewing your own kombucha differ from the boatload of sugar that would be found in, say, Kool-Aid? Well, it's the same sugar. You can, you can make Kool-Aid or you can make kombucha, but here's the difference. When you make Kool-Aid, you add sugar to, you know, in a little packet of Kool-Aid. I mean, I, I'm a child of, like, I was born in 1980, so this is what I drank as a kid, Purple Saurus Rex. <laughs> i was a green ecto man myself oh man purple source rex was way better than that chuck sorry man yeah, but anyway, come on. Come on. all right nonetheless um you know it's just sugar and the sugar exists in its entirety in that beverage now when you make kombucha you take sugar and you might take literally the exact same amount of sugar but you're adding in the microbes and you're giving the microbes time i mean kombucha takes time like on the order of days to weeks to create. And during that time, those microbes, they are multiplying and they are consuming the sugar and they're transforming it. Sugar is how we create alcohol. So in this case, the, the microbes, their food is the sugar. The sugar starts to disappear. The final product still has some added sugar. There is no doubt about that. There is clearly sugar in there, but the sugar is substantially reduced and it has been replaced by the acidity and in some cases, some alcohol. 
All right. A quick comment from Anastasia says, hello from the Ukraine. I hope one day I can get my hands on your books in the Ukraine, Dr. B. Thank you so much for all the great info that you're always sharing with us. That's pretty nice. That's very nice. My book is available. I know it's available in Poland. I'm not sure if it's available in Russian. Um, I so, But anyway, it is available in, in uh, Poland, which made my, my Polish family very happy. All right, look, uh, we got to close up the doctor's mailbag here and wrap things up, man. I feel like we could go on for days and days and days. I mean, that's just you and I have the gift of healthy gab here. Um, that's why I love having you on the show. But um, I want to go back before we do say goodbye to something we were talking about just a minute ago, as far as like gas and bloating and transitioning to that plant-based diet. You're actually working on a free course that addresses this, right? Um, so... A couple of things. I have a newsletter coming out on Friday. And in that newsletter, I'm going to be discussing erythritol, which is a sweetener that many people are using. And there's been new research that came out recently that needs to be discussed so that people understand what it means with regard to this erythritol. And people should be aware this erythritol is, by the way, often combined with your stevia or your monk fruit. So if you're using stevia or monk fruit, be very careful to check that there may be this erythritol there. So we're going to be discussing that in the newsletter, which is this Friday. If you wanted to sign up for my newsletter, go to the plant, the slash newsletter. Um, Chuck, I have had a lot of requests to host uh, a webinar on gas and bloating. And so that actually it's going to be a, pay, a paid teaching session. Oh, uh, is going to be taking place um, a week from this coming Monday. And we're calling it Clearing the Air. So Clearing the Air. It's for anyone who suffers with gas and bloating. And I'll be talking about this more on my newsletter starting next week. So like this is part of the reason why if you're on the newsletter, you'll be hearing about this and you'll learn more about it. Clearing the Air. I love you, man. That is just fantastic. That is. Just, oh, man, you are the best. Nope. No pun intended, Chuck. I'm just trying to clear the air here. Just trying to National clear. treasure you are, Dr. B. Unbelievable. Clearing the air. All right. So the plantfedgut.com. There's a link to that website right now in the episode description. Oh boy, that, that just hit me. Okay. Well played, sir. Well played. Uh so sign up for the newsletter there, the plantfedgut.com. Holy cow. God bless you, sir. Just uh, you are just uh, mm, mon frere my man all right dr b i appreciate you being here today my friend thank you for having me chuck thank you everyone thank you for the active uh chat and you guys are awesome you know i love it whenever dr bolsowitz is on the show he and i just get together and it's not even work it's just a whole lot of fun every single time he's here so man Dr. Bolsowitz for the win. Fiber fueled, five big tips to get you a little bit more fiber in your diet. So you're not one of the 95% of us who is in fact efficient with it. Be the exception, be one of the fiber elite. What is up with that? What is up with that? That is a question that Costco shoppers are asking about the store's ultra popular rotisserie chicken. I was telling you a little bit about this at the top of the show, because right now the internet is buzzing with complaints from customers who say that their chicken 
has a mysterious chemical flavor to it, and they're wondering, what gives? See, it all began when one particular shopper posted a message expressing their dissatisfaction on the website Reddit. And here's what the shopper wrote. They said, quote, I was at Costco today and I bought my rotisserie chicken just like every time I'm there. But when we tasted it, it had a distinct chemical flavor to it. It was really off-putting. The same thing happened last time. That was about three weeks ago, they said. They said, it was never a problem before, been buying them for years, but something has changed. And once this went up, there was a torrent of other complaints from shoppers saying they've had the same experience. One person saying that the chicken tasted like chlorine. They say like it was so bad that they stopped getting the chicken altogether. But Costco, meanwhile, says, well, we sell more than 100 million of these chickens every single year. Thing here, though, is that, well, a lot of people still think that chicken is a healthier option. But we've heard time and again on the exam room that chicken is still packed with artery-clogging cholesterol and a swath of other things that you're not gonna want. You don't want those things. Not to mention that Costco has been sued for violating animal welfare laws as they bring these chickens to the table at as low of a price as possible. But as for the taste, well, I suggest going back and listening to an episode that I did with Dr. Neil Barnard a while ago. And he and I on that show, we talked about these baths that the chickens get during processing. I'm going to put baths in quotes because they're dipped in what's called fecal soup. Yeah, fecal soup, which is essentially chemically treated water designed to eliminate bacteria on the bird. So maybe that's where this mysterious chemical flavor is coming from. We don't really know. We don't really know, but if you would like to read more about this, what's going on at Costco, the Today Show has a little bit more background on their website, and I've posted a link for you in the episode notes. On a more positive note, I also wanted to share a comment with you from an exam roomie who posted this on Instagram. We talk a lot about reaching people in their greatest time of need here on the show. And this comment speaks to the heart of that. And it got me a little bit choked up when I read it. This person who writes under the name Fear Self-Loathing PNW, they saw a clip that I posted where I was speaking to Dr. Kim Williams about doctors putting me on high blood pressure medication when I was just 14 years old. And so Fear Self-Loathing wrote, quote, I'm reading your post on my way to the emergency room after being sent by my doctor because of my blood pressure. Something has to change. Something has to change. Thank you for posting your story. And that's why we do this show. That's what the exam room is designed 
to do. That's what it is here for. And this is what I love more than anything in the world is being able to reach people at their lowest point when they're scared. And maybe they don't think that their health can improve, but it can. It absolutely can. And that is why I ask you all every episode to please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple podcast or on Spotify, wherever you get your shows, you know how it goes. It's because when you do that, you leave that five-star rating and you subscribe and you leave that nice review. It's because of that, that we're able to continue to reach people like fear and loathing who are ready to make a change and they just need to know how. Right now, they're fearing that their health is out of control. The blood pressure is way too high. They're scared about what might happen. But we want them to know that they can be okay. So please take a second, hop over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, hit that subscribe button and leave that five-star rating and a nice review so we can continue to make the world a healthier place, one that is full of hope, and we can continue to do that together. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Will Bolsowitz for being here and fiber filling our IQs as we take our health IQ to the next level. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.